bringing hope to many around the globe, transforming lives into legacies. Live in Word with Pastor Mensah Otterville. And now, today's Word. There are five ways of discovering God's will. Five ways. You may find other ways, but I, I discovered five main ways. Number one is biblical insight. God guides us primarily through his written word. When we understand the word of God, we know the general will of God. You know what God's general intentions are. But the fact that you know God's general intention does not mean you know his specific will. Because within the general, there are specific things. God wants me generally, if you are a believer, God wants you to marry somebody who shares your beliefs. That's a general thing. Somebody who shares your beliefs. Why does God want you to marry somebody who shares your beliefs? Because your actions are based on your beliefs. If I marry somebody who doesn't share my beliefs, you're going to have conflict because my core behavior is based on what I believe. If, for example, I believe that every month I should give a tenth of my income as tithe to God, and I go to marry somebody who doesn't believe that, can you imagine the tragedy in the family? One person says, I believe we must tithe. The other one says, we must, we must not tithe. We work for our own money and we must keep it and we'll spend it the way we want. So there's conflict. So it's important that we marry people who share our core beliefs. But there are many people who share our core beliefs. So for example, if you want to marry, the Bible says you marry somebody who share your beliefs. So yes, there are many people who share your beliefs. But you can't marry all of them. You must marry one. So there is general guidance. God says you must marry people who share your beliefs. But specifically, which one of those? That specific will. But at least you must get the general will of God right. And that comes from your understanding of the Bible. If you don't have biblical insight, you would even make bad decisions right from the start. Or God says you shall not lie. And somebody comes and tells you that he, he wants to uh, give you a contract, but you know the way the contract is, you have to change them, some document, and change your name, and you have to falsify this, and then you have to do this and that and that. And, and when you do that, uh, you, then you can get the, the opportunity, the heavens will open, the breakthrough will come. Now you don't even go to pray about that, because you know God's general rule, thou shalt not lie. Or you're going to America and somebody says you have to use another person's passport. And you are praying, God, should I go or should I not go? Thou shall not lie. Thou shall not bear false witness. Two laws you are breaking instantly. So yes, you can, you can go and use that and go to America, but you are on your own. Because don't go and say, well, it's the Lord who brought me to America. No, you brought yourself. So biblical insight is the fundamental basis for guidance. Secondly, is prayerful 
consideration. Prayerful consideration. When you have biblical insight, you have to pray and prayerfully consider the options. Prayerfully. Prayerful consideration sometimes takes long because, you know, when you're seeking guidance from God, it doesn't, it's not like a miracle. A miracle can be instantaneous. Guidance, most of the time, is not instantaneous because God is working with your feelings, he's working with your emotions, he's working with your intellect, he's working with your will, and he has to help you to align everything together in one direction. So it takes time for your will to be submitted to him. You know, Jesus Christ, many times uh, in, in the Bible, Jesus prayed only once and miracles happened. The only time he prayed twice is when there was a blind man. The Bible says Jesus prayed for him once. And Jesus says, do you see the man? says, I see men on the street. Jesus prayed for him the second time and his eyes opened. That one he prayed twice. But almost every time in the Bible, Jesus prayed once for answer. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he didn't pray once. He prayed three times over and over and over. As a matter of fact, more than three times. He only went back to the disciples three times. Right? He prayed over and over. And he was praying over one thing. Father, if it is your will, let this cup of pass over me. Not my will, but yours be done. And he prayed it over and over. Why did he have to pray over and over? Because when you are seeking guidance, your will must be aligned to God's will. And if your will is not aligned, your, your, your prayerful consideration will not produce the results. That's why prayerfully, you pray about something until God is able to shift you from self-centeredness to see his will for your life. So there is prayerful consideration. Third, advice from mature Christians. Sometimes you receive guidance from advice from mature Christians. In a multitude of counselors, there is safety, the scripture says. So you find somebody who is mature. And, you know, it can be very tricky because sometimes people who appear mature are not mature. Just because somebody is, holds a church position doesn't mean he's mature. And just because somebody has been in the church for a long time doesn't mean he's mature. And just because somebody speaks in tongues more than all men doesn't mean he's mature. Maturity is demonstrated by character. So if, for example, you are a young lady, you want to marry, and you see an elder man in the church whom you've known, he's nice, he comes to church and he seems to be a nice person, and you go to him and you say, um, uh, Mr. So-and-so, brother, so-and-so, uncle, so-and-so, uh, whatever title you give him, I, I'm a young person and so many men like me, and uh, I, I want to know which one to marry. And the man says, um, I, I know how to help you. Come and see me uh, quietly. Let's go to this hotel at 6 o'clock, and uh, uh, I, I will do some, some spiritual purification on you. Right there, you know he's not mature. He's old, but not mature. Maturity is character. If my character does not line up with the Bible, I'm not mature. I may be a preacher and not be a mature Christian. So when we talk about mature Christian, we are talking about character. When you have doubts about somebody's character, don't seek his advice. Because advice is very crucial. And people who are not mature can derail you by the advice they give you. So look for mature Christians. Number four, you have to do a proper assessment 
of your circumstances. Sometimes you receive guidance by just doing proper assessment of the circumstances. Jesus says if you're going to go to war or you're going to build a house, you have to assess your resources. Whether with those resources you can build a house before you build a house. That is assessing. Trying to find out whether you can do it. Assess your circumstances. Take good inventory of yourself. What you have, what you don't have, what you can do, what you cannot do. This can also be tricky because many people don't have an honest opinion of themselves. Many people's opinions of themselves are wrong. Because there are things you know about yourself, but there are also things you don't know about yourself. And there are things that people see about you that you don't see. Do you know that? All right. I know myself, but I don't know myself fully. There are things you see about me that I don't see about myself. And so you can come to me. I may think I'm a very nice person, but you can come to me and say, Pastor, I think you are a very, 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 very nasty person. The way you talk, you're too proud. Now, if you tell me that, I may not really give it much thought because that's one opinion. But if I have 10 people in the church, 20 people, almost everybody says, Oh, Pastor, we like the way you preach and everything, but your pride. Your pride. That's the only thing God must deal with you on your pride. <laughs> you know? Now, if I get members of my church, everybody tell me, my pride, my pride, something must tell me that there is something about myself I'm not seeing. I think I know myself very well, but there is a blind side of me I am not seeing. So it's important that when we are evaluating something, our opinion of ourselves and even what we think we have must be very, very well balanced. Because some people think they can and they can't. I've, I've heard people bragging about who they are and I know they are not. Have you ever heard somebody tell you, as for me, I'm an honest person. And you look at him from the side of your eye, the corner of your eye and say, honest. Honest. <laughs> Liar like you. Now, but the person thinks he's honest. As for me, I'm truthful. And you know he's not. As for me, I'm fair. And you know he's not. As for me, I'm just. I seek for justice, justice. And you know he's, he's a bully. He's not just. So sometimes people have an opinion of themselves which is not true. All of us. So when you are even assessing that circumstance, you have to be careful. That's why you have to do it in the light of the scriptures. And in the light of prayer, submission to the Holy Spirit. And being open to whatever God reveals about you. And sometimes God's revelation about you can annoy you. Do you know that? God can show you things about yourself that will make you angry. Because there are things you don't want anybody to know. And then God brings it to your notice. And you feel, why? who, who, who are you, God, to tell me I am like that? But if you are open to him, he will show you your true character. So we get guidance by proper assessment of circumstance. That's why I said proper. Proper, not just assessment, proper. Number five is a sense of inner peace. A sense of inner peace. Not happiness, but inner peace. Happiness is very different from inner peace. Happiness is based on happenings. If you heard that a new Piram 
uh, company was in town and was really prospering people. And, and somebody tells you, listen, you, you give them one million. I'm telling you, by the end of the month, you get four million. And you give it and you get four million. How many of you know you'll be happy? You'll be happy because the thing is, things are working. Things are happening. But that is not the same as inner peace. Sometimes you, you, you may be troubled on the outside, but deep inside, there's a sense of calmness. You just... You just know this thing will work. But everything seems to be turbulent around it. Even for the moment, you may be very unhappy with it. But inside, there's no struggle. There's no internal struggle. You are at peace with it. Within your innermost being, that is what I call inner peace. And most times, it's an indication that you are on the right path. But don't make a decision just because one of these factors favors you. You have to make a decision by considering all of them together. And when you use all of them together, you will make good decisions. All of them together. Let's look at the process of guidance. The process. How it comes about. Turn with me to Psalm 119 verse 105. Psalm 119 verse 105. Just some trivia for you. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. When we were in primary and middle school, we were not made to read it. It was used as punishment by our teachers. If you, the, the class misbehaved or something, the teacher would say, write Psalm 119 so many times. All right, so let's go to Psalm 119. 119 verse 105. It says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Well, you can tell that's where I got my message title from, light for our path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a lamp, a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I'm going to give you three processes of guidance that we can, that God uses. Two of them will come from this passage. The third one is not from this passage. One, the first process is lamp to our feet. Lamp to our feet. It gives the idea of holding a small lamp like the, the, the ones we use in the market to sell. Uh, when the market women used to sell those little lamps. Uh, how do they call that in guy? Is it Osono? Yeah. Or the fantasy, Ariba Kanya. Those light, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it's a tin of milk or a tin of uh, some, uh, some tin of the other, and that there is some wax or oil in it, and there is a wick. Uh, stuck into it and, 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 and that's your light you light the wick and, uh, and you have your light now that light doesn't shine much does it? no when you are going somewhere and you have that light it only shows you the next step to take it can give you long term view it only provides step by step direction and the first this is one of the processes that God uses to guide us step by step and when God becomes a lamp to our feet, most of the time we get frustrated because you can't see everything, but you only know 
what to do today, what to do tomorrow, what to do the next day. It's God's guidance. Why does God do that? So that you can depend on him one day at a time. As a matter of fact, some situations in your life, you don't need to see into the future. Because if you see into the future, you run from the battle. There are problems I've had as a pastor. If I had seen them as a pastor, as a young man, I think I probably would have chosen another course. Because I didn't see them coming. I only saw one step at a time. And then the problems come. And sometimes you don't even see the problem. You just take one step at a time and walk through them. And later turn back and see the big issue that God has taken you through. And when you were going through it, you didn't see it big. It was just one step at a time. And when God is guiding you one step at a time, don't be frustrated and and start running away. Just stay. He will pull you through one step at a time. The second process of guidance that the psalmist talks about is light for our path. Light for our path. That's a different thing. That gives the idea of light. Probably a floodlight that throws on the path and provides for you a longer term view of the situation. So light for your path is long term. So sometimes God does, beyond leading us one step at a time, he also shows us a little bit more into the future. Not everything, but a little bit more into the future. That's light for our path. It's long-term vision, long-term goals, knowing that maybe in a year, this is what God wants me to achieve this year, or this way he's leading me uh, this year, next year, or next five years. It's It's a bit longer than light for your path. Then the third way, that sometimes God will lead you is that he will provide you a map for the journey. Map for the journey. What does that mean? Sometimes you don't have a light for your path. You don't have a lamp for your feet. But you have a general view of a broad area of possibilities. Now when you have a map, you have alternatives. You can do it this way, you can do it that way, you can do it that way, you can go this way, you can go that way, you can go this way, but they will all lead you to the same direction. So God gives you broad latitude of options for you to exercise. Sometimes the guidance of God comes that way. So sometimes it can be step by step. You just obey him one day at a time. Sometimes it's long term. Sometimes you have more option to exercise and and. As you move generally, you are still in the will of God. Because he's giving you the general map. You haven't moved away from the map. But you, you, you can choose the, the, the paths that you move on. These are processes that you can have in guidance. What do you do when you know God's will? And I'm ending with this. When you know God's will, what do you do? Three things you must do. Number one, don't be afraid. When you know God's will, don't be afraid. Don't fear that things will go bad if I obey God. Just do it. Number two, be courageous. And number three, act quickly. If there is a decision you must make, God shows you what to do and you don't make that decision, doubt 
will flood into your mind and totally immobilize you. So what you have to do when it's time, you do it. You have to be courageous about it. Since I was using marriage as an analogy from the beginning, it works that way. If you want to marry, for example, general rule, you marry somebody who shares your belief system. But within the people who share your belief system, some are older than you, some are younger, some are slim, some are ample-sized, uh, and all that. Some like this, some like that, some are well-educated, some are not, some speak good, some don't speak good, some are angry, some are quiet, some are bad-tempered, some are very timid. They are all people who share your belief system. So, what do you do? The general rule is you marry somebody who is okay. You prayerfully start considering. And what do you do in prayerful consider? Lord, it's your desire for me to marry. You've put a lot of women in the world. I know you know one of them whose temperament, whose history, whose vision, whose attitude will best complement me. And I know that you can bring that person my way. That is prayer <laughs> consideration. <laughs> now you can, you can talk to mature Christians, some people whom you trust and say, you know, how did you marry? How did you recognize this was the man to marry or this was the woman to marry? How did you make your decision? You are using people who are mature to make a decision. Then you have to assess your circumstances. Here you are, and there she is. The women you want to marry, which one best suits you? And you have to be very honest. The man you want to marry, which one best suits you? If you are going after money, you know the premise is wrong. If you are going after looks, beauty, the premise is wrong. If you are marrying somebody because of what you think you will benefit from the person, you are wrong from the right Right from the answer, you are wrong. Because your assessment of it is wrong. Like most women will say, I want a man who can take care of me. That's wrong. Because they will take care of you well. Is that not so? If you want him to take care of you, he will really take care of you. <laughs> so don't make sure that in your assessment of your circumstances, you are guided properly. You know yourself, you know the other person, and sometimes improbables work. You know, I, I've seen people marry who didn't seem to match. Like age gap, you see a man who is far younger than the woman. Or you see a woman who is far more educated than the man. Or you see uh, all kinds of permutations which sometimes doesn't sit comfortably with us, but they work. You see, so you can't use all these things to disqualify. Hey, the woman is too old. You can't marry her. Who knows? She can be 20 years than you, and who knows? Hey, but don't go and say a pastor says so. I'm just saying, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? It's, I'm just saying, who knows? I'm not telling you who it is. All right. So, so you, you use all of these factors to make your 
decision. I believe if you follow these guidance, these principles, you will be able to make the right decision. And when God is leading you, especially when it comes to the area of marriage and so on, people believe that God will say, my son is Agi, is Agi, Agi. I am the Lord, is Agi. No. No, no. Uh, it, it may come that way, but sometimes it comes as a lamp to your feet. You may not see the clear picture, but you see your feet are being guided to the prayer meeting more often, to the choir meeting more often, to covenant family meeting more often. And you don't know why you are going often, but it's lamp for your feet. You can never tell. But when God is guiding you, you can never tell. You can never tell. It could be one day you were busy going somewhere and God was guiding your path. You didn't know. And then you bump into somebody. Oh, excuse me. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry for hurting you. Oh, okay. I'm also sorry. I'm sorry. sorry. Okay. All right. I want to compensate. You compensate. This is my telephone number. And who knows? It's called lamp for the feet. You didn't plan it. You, you didn't have a long-term vision to say, I am going to marry her and I have to take her out and I have to buy her this and I have to do that. But unconsciously, God guides you. So sometimes, you know, when you, you are seeking God's guidance, you have to relax. Rest. Be at peace. And know that your life is in the hands of God. And he will not abandon you. He will not leave you desolate. And he will give you the things that make for goodness and a good life. You have to trust him. Because if you don't trust him, you can be totally anxious. And so anxious that you, you, you pierce yourself with sorrow, depression, stress, and all of that. But if you trust God that he's able to keep you, he will guide you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Living Word. To interact with Pastor Mensah Otebill, like his page on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter at Mensah Otebill. Email Otterville at centralgospel.com or call plus 233-302-688-000.